Good morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast this morning. It is a beautiful Sunday. It is September 10th. I am sitting outside with my cup of coffee. Gray skies, and it looks like it rained overnight. Uh, but still, nonetheless, good day. I might have a froggy voice or a bit of a <coughs> raspy voice because it was out kind of late last night. I didn't go to bed till midnight last night. I don't have that in me anymore. <laughs> but I was out past, God, I think we left the wedding last night at like 10.30. And the whole time I'm thinking, I'm having a blast. But, you know, I got football tomorrow, man. I wake up and make sauce. I got people coming over. Got to get the sauce on, which, by the way, as I record this, 6.30 Sunday morning, still sauce not on. I know. I wanted to get this out of the way first. We'll, we'll knock this out, and then we'll get in there. We'll get the sauce on. Anyway, last night wedding, beautiful wedding. Um, happy football, by the way. Before I talk about the wedding, happy football day. What an exciting day. I am so excited. I know most of you are Bills fans. I see the stats on who listens to this, and it's like 97% Rochester. So I know for you guys, it's not really football day, although I think most of you probably still enjoy watching football, watching the other games. I know I do. Uh, but I do have my Browns today at 1 o'clock. So for me, it's football day. For you guys, tomorrow. I don't know that I'm staying up late tomorrow night, though, I'll be honest with you. For the Bills, it's like, I'll watch as much Bills football as I can, but if there's a conflict, and there's only two conflicts, if there's a conflict, I will miss a Bills game. But a Browns game, I really won't miss unless there's an emergency. What is a conflict? There's really only two. I'll tell you what they are. Number one, Browns playing at the same time. I'm going to choose the Browns over the Bills. And number two, Bills playing at night. I don't like night games. Primetime games, it's too late. I wake up too early. I don't want to give up an entire day of being dead-ass tired to watch a Bills game. I'll do it for a Browns game, and luckily the Browns suck, or at least sucked last year. So this year's schedule is based on how the team performed last year. And as of this moment, the Browns only have two primetime games. And I'm getting real lucky because one of them is actually that week in between Christmas and New Year where uh, we will likely, as a company, and I don't know for sure, this is tough to know until we really get into December, but it's likely as a, that our company will be in a uh, week-long sort of deep clean slash inventory that week. Uh, I think Christmas is on a Monday this year, uh, which, which means four-day week at most. I have always been a big fan of... Um, of giving the day well there's an airplane going by and it's kind of freaky because it's in the clouds and i can just barely see a little shadow it's like a it's like a horror movie (laughs) it's like that's weird um anyway i i have always been a big fan of giving the day after christmas off because i really want people to enjoy christmas and not have i gotta go to work tomorrow hanging over their head so what i will likely do is create some sort of an incentive for the beginning part of december um, you know, production related goal or something that if we get it, we'll take the 26th off and then the, then that'll be a three day week and, and three days at the end of the year, especially if we had already reached our production financial goal for the year, three days to kind of get our shit back in order, right? Do inventory, do a deep clean of the entire plant, get reorganized, get focused, have a couple of meetings, team meetings and stuff like that. I think that's uh, a well worth it. I enjoy that. So anyway, that's the uh, that's that. The Browns also do play next Monday night, though, uh, on Monday Night Football. So very beginning and very end of the year. 
And next Monday night actually happens to be Food Link Festival of Food as well. So I'm already probably going to be up and kind of wired by the time I get home for that, which is good because that should carry me through and stop me from falling asleep. Because a lot of times, like, if I'm just waiting around all day for a game at night and then finally they kick off at 8.15 or whatever, and uh, by 8.45, 9 o'clock, I'm... Like in the chair. And then the rest of the game is just me waking up for, you know, five to seven seconds and looking at the score and staying in my chair. And my wife trying to convince me, why don't you just go to bed? And I'm like, no, I'm watching the game. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I'm going to make sauce, get ready for football. I got a brand new book I just bought. It's uh, Lori Van Dusen's Running with Grace. If you don't know Lori, she's a Rochester. She's one of the, if you look up like Forbes... Um, financial advisor lists. She's on the Fortune Fi- or the Forbes 500 uh, financial advisors list, and I think if you just do women, she's like a top ten or something. Manages billions of dollars in business. She's a really, really dynamic person, and she's got a great story. And Running with Grace is an interesting book because it contains a lot of examples of failure in business, and that's one of my things that I think as I. I'm entering, I guess, nine years as an entrepreneur and uh, three and a half or so as being a full-time entrepreneur, uh, fully dependent on private business or our own businesses. Um, I think one of the biggest lessons, although it's not just the three years that taught me this, this was learned early on in these nine years, is just how important failure is to reach success. Um, Some people say, failure is uh, highly likely. I don't even agree with that. I think failure is required. I think failure is required in order to enjoy success. There's just, look, perfect doesn't exist. There is no doubt in your entrepreneurial journey that you are going to make bad calls and mistakes and do things wrong. And I really think that looking from the outside in, I maybe always thought that business owners, entrepreneurs were geniuses because uh, they just knew the right things to do. And what I know now know on the inside is that it's not that you just know the right thing to do. It has a lot more to do with understand. You understand how to pivot. You know how to be wrong gracefully. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of people that will die on their cross. There's a lot of you, you know, them. I know a million of them. There's people who just will not be wrong. They won't allow it to happen. They will not be wrong. Honestly, go on Facebook and scroll for about 10 seconds. You're going to see it, right? Like That's one of the biggest problems right now with us is we just, everybody just knows that they're right and they will not listen to any reasoning that, that uh, you know, shows anything different than the fact that they're right. And so I think a really important skill for an entrepreneur is do you know how to recognize when you're wrong and, and the exact moment when to sort of jump off of that ship and get onto a new one because you were wrong and uh, not go down with that ship, whether it was an idea you had or a method you thought, uh, you know, uh, in my case, you know, the last few years in operations and essentially being a plant manager and sort of running operations for my plant. Uh, you know, there were just many times where we were just making calls on what, what product are we going to run first? What are we going to run through this machine? What are we going to run through that machine? And I feel like I've gotten good at it and better at it. And again, perfect doesn't exist. So saying I've gotten great at it or perfect at it is not true. But gotten good at it, at least understanding what a production schedule should look like, I think I've gotten better at. 
uh, am pretty good at at this point. We actually did something on Friday where we tweaked our schedule to save ourselves about an hour of time. And uh, I don't know that it's that it that it got us any more production than we would have gotten the other way around. However, what it did do was it saved us probably several hours of overtime. Uh, and you might be thinking, well, what do you mean several hours? When you say one hour, that you only saved one hour. Yeah, but that's like three people working for an hour that may have been overtime. And what it was was we had scheduled ourselves to run uh, product through two different machines on Friday. Um, and then on Monday, we only had one machine scheduled. Uh, this might be a little bit too in the weeds, but um, and that might seem normal, but there was a way that if you just flipped one thing, one thing from Friday to Monday and vice versa, Monday to Friday, one product that you could get to the point where now you only had to clean one machine on Friday and one, one machine on Monday. So you see where I'm going with that? So we gained the efficiency of not having to clean and sanitize an entire bottling machine um, just by baking that one flip, which saved a bunch of time, right? Little stuff like that I don't know if I would have always caught. I don't know. Now I catch that. I see that it jumps right out at me. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if a few years ago, a couple years ago, a year ago, I don't know if I catch that. You know, so we get better. We get better as we go. We do get better. Um, beautiful wedding. I already referenced this. Uh, Kristen Hadid married uh, Corey, her love of her life, Corey, who's somebody who's only been in our life now for about a year or two since she met him. Really just sweet beautiful souls. I mean, Kristen is the type of person who now through my wife, I've known for 13 years and just always been one of my favorites. I mean, honestly, my wife doesn't really have any friends I don't like, but, um, this one is, is just really at the top of the list because she is just a, she's got star power. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. This girl's like, this girl has an electric personality. She's got like a in a magnetic, electric, beautiful personality. She's always driving for what's best. And she has a – she's super intelligent. And she also has just a sprinkle of don't give a shit also, you know, like in there. So, so I just – I've always loved her and I loved the, this uh, this wedding so much because they did so many things right. So many things, right? And listen, if it's your day, you get to do whatever you want. And there is no such thing as right or wrong. On your day, it's your way. And I do agree with that. I do. I do think that's the thing. We all get one. We all get to plan one day. And I think collectively as a society, we go to weddings and we all get to say, look, you're going to come to mine and you're going to put up with what I've decided to do. So when 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 I go to yours... The deal is I'm not going to bitch. We don't bitch when we go to other people's weddings because they all had to come to ours or will one day, right? So anyway, these guys did this right though. So first of all, they eloped. They went to Hawaii and they got married a couple of months ago and they got the whole thing on video and it was really good, really high quality professional video and they um, they didn't show anybody. You know, I mean, this girl comes home, she's got all these best friends and I'm sure she was dying to show people this video, but she didn't show anybody the video. She saved it for last night. And then last night they had a really professional, high quality, big screen uh, with um, with the, the video that they showed the video. So when we all sat down at the reception last night, they wheel out this big giant projector screen and they show the entire ceremony. 
uh, edited, an edited version. I think she actually said it was about 30 minutes long. And they showed us like a set, maybe a seven or eight minute version, if I had to guess. So it was edited down, but it was adorable and it was beautiful. It was in Hawaii right on the beach and you could see the rowboats going by in the background. It was really nice. Um, the reception was actually at the Wilder Room, which is uh, downtown Rochester, uh, kind of right across from where Temple and Salinger's are. In fact, we got there early enough. My wife had to be in pictures, so we got there early enough. I actually went across and sat in a full three-piece suit. I sat at Temple and had a uh, couple of drinks. <laughs> it was fun. I hadn't been in there in a really long time. That had been years since I'd been in either Temple or Salinger's, but I sat there by myself at about 4 o'clock on a Saturday and just drank for an hour. Watched college football. It was great. It was actually really relaxing, to tell you the truth. So... um the Wilder Room is the work of Avino, of the owners of Avino, and it has their touches all over it once you know that. It's uh, really cool. It's in an old building. Um, it, the space itself is small but beautiful. The food, of course, is fantastic because, you're, because you are getting Avino catering. It's not, uh, it's not sort of, um, I don't even, I don't know how to say this. It's not like, uh, and I don't even want to say what I'm about to say, but I am going to say it. And I was get, well, The words were I was going to say convention center catering. That's not targeted at our convention center. Our convention center, I actually think, does a pretty good job, really good job. But um, but what I, I mean in general, that sort of – you've been out of town before and had, you know, at a wedding of 300 people and had dry chicken with asparagus and mashed potatoes, right? Like that's what I'm talking about. It wasn't that. It's good. It's made, to, or at least it feels made to order. The steak I had didn't feel like it had been sitting under a, uh, a steam lamp for or a hot lamp for hours or, or had kept in a hot box or whatever. So very good. Very, very good. Um, also, lots of little touches just artistically throughout the entire room. It's really good. Now, the night before, there was a sort of a... It w- what typically would be considered the rehearsal dinner, but in this case, since they were already married, they called it a welcome dinner. So it was sort of a even smaller group because I think the wedding was probably only, uh, I want to say, 80, maybe 90, 100 people at most. Um, the welcome dinner was pared down even further than that to maybe 20 or 30 people, I think. Um, and uh, it was at Rohrbach in the public market in their little private room. And that was great, too. Rohrbach, I think, does really underrated food. You know, everyone thinks about Rohrbach, they think of pizza. And, of course, this town has, I mean, when I, when I say Rohrbach, I mean, everyone thinks of Rohrbach in the public market. I know there's the Rohrbach on the west side that's completely different. It's like a German restaurant. That place is fantastic. I'm talking about just the public market. I think a lot of people just think of pizza, and they've got the wood fire oven and blah, blah, blah. And their pizza is very good, but unfortunately, this town is full of people making good pizza. So it sometimes, unfortunately, gets overshadowed. But, um, is my dog barking? No, that's not my dog, sorry. I was hearing a dog barking. My dog doesn't bark. He's an English bulldog, so if he's barking, something's wrong, but you know, I don't think that's him. Anyway, they uh, they did a whole German feast la- uh, Friday night. There was German potato salad, and I think they had some... Um, I don't know. They just had some other – it was a really good meal is what I'm getting around to. It was not just pizza and stuff, although I would have been perfectly fine with pizza and beer. Uh, and they and they had a server doing a great job, and this poor server got bombarded because did you know that in Rochester there is a group of like 60 or 70, I guess, gay women 
who just who just um, what are they called? They ambush a straight bar on the second Friday of every month. They ambush a straight bar. I didn't know this existed, but on Friday night. Uh, at Rohrbach, uh, at one point I, I walk out of the private room and I'm going to bring some empty glasses up to the bar. And there is a bit of a vibe in, in the room, I notice, right? And it's fine. I got no problem with it, but I definitely notice. I'm like, oh, wow, there must be, it must be an organized, just felt organized is all I'm saying. There was a lot and it was all, org- and, I, and I didn't think twi- to, twice of it. Seemed fine to me. Come back in the room, and then I heard from somebody else who said, "Oh, they're getting the." And I don't remember what the name is, but the blah blah blah, blah ambush. And I'm like, what "The fuck is that?" And apparently, it's a thing. There's this group of like sixty or seventy lesbians that pick a bar and go and just crash it on like the second Friday of the month. Now, when you say crash it, I I wouldn't call it crashing. They pick a bar that might not be so busy and make it busy. I think it's actually fantastic. I think what they're doing is a favor to the bars. Uh, But it is unexpected. So our server, who's got this party of 40 people who probably thinks she's going to have a a sleepy three or four tables in the other room to take care of, suddenly has, you know, a party of 60 show up out of nowhere that she has to take care of. And so I felt bad for her, although I'm sure she made out pretty well that night. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did well from a tip standpoint. So I don't think she had any complaints. I know John Erlob wouldn't have any complaints. Quite frankly, if I own an establishment, the more butts and seats I get, the happier I am. But it was funny to see, and I didn't know that existed. Good for them. Good for them. Um, anyway, at this wedding last night, I saw a whole bunch of people, of course, all my wife's friends, who I don't get to see that often, who have become my friends. Uh, my boy Vic, Brighton Town Justice. Uh, got to see him and hang out with him. He's such a great guy. Uh, my friend Mike, who is uh, married to my wife's friend Meg. And then, of course, all my wife's friends, right? Meg, Courtney, uh, Jamie, Britt Theo, Abby, um, uh, Katie Morant. Just just a million different uh, good people. Her husband, Ron, is one of my favorite people, too. I really am just so lucky that I fell into this group of people who just turn out to be wonderful people. Because uh, I know it's not always like that and then of course there's the groom side and as it turns out rochester's a small town right we get we learn this over and over and i uh saw last night an old co-worker of mine kimmy coffee used to be kimmy bernston back in the day she worked on the john detulio show when he was on 1280 on sports talk saw her and her husband alex and i haven't seen her in a really long time and i really liked her when she worked at clear channel at the time it was i think she was before we were iheart she worked at Clear Channel, and she was one of those ones that got away. You know, Clear Channel was just so famous for this. It was like they did not have the philosophy of developing talent, right? Like, I mean, whether or not you think I had any talent is regardless. The bottom line is they were never giving me my own real radio show. They, now, they'll tell you they did, but they gave me a show where it was, it was 56 minutes an hour, of not me, of music and commercials and bits and all that kind of crap. And I had about four minutes an hour. That's the best I ever got of them. Why? Because I was homegrown. Same thing with somebody like Kimmy, or there was another really, really good talented Megan Carter. And there's honestly been a half a dozen or so examples throughout the years that Clear Channel just will not develop you as a talent. They won't do it. They have a philosophy. You go out and get over somewhere else, make a name for yourself, and come back, and we'll hire you. And now we'll put you and make you the star of a show. But they really didn't believe in creating stars. They met, They believed in acquiring stars, 
right? And and that was a different philosophy across the street at Entercom, which now is called Odyssey, but at the time, for the longest time, was always Entercom. Uh, they were developing talent, right? And and Kimmy was one of those people. Kimmy saw an opportunity to go and become developed, and now she's part of a really good morning show. That WCMF morning show's got Tommy Muley, Pat Duffy, and Kimmy uh, Kimmy Coffee. And they've been together a long time. They've built chemistry. Honestly, half the battle is just staying together a long time because there's so much, so many moving parts in radio and, like, people just, they come, they go, management changes their mind. There's new formats and new call letters and new station names. And it's like, if you can just, just stop and give a group of people like Kimmy Duffy and Tommy, like five years and just leave them alone for years. They will, as long as you got three talented people in the room, which they do, they will develop. You know, they will. But you can't be giving people six months and then wondering why they didn't develop or build chemistry. Like, there's got to be some natural chemistry, I agree. You're going to take three people, put them in a room. You don't want there to be no chemistry. That could be a disaster. But as long as there's a spark of chemistry, letting that show just have time to breathe. And so what have they done, right? They never change their call letters, CMF, right? It's a heritage station in this town. Uh, they never change their format. And I want to say that that ensemble, that Duffy, uh, Muley, and Kimmy ensemble at this point, has got to be, geez, I mean, six, seven years, I'm going to guess, right? It's got to be at least that. I know It's got to be more than five years, and I just think that's so vital. I think that's so important. I think it's half the battle. Now, of course, the other half the battle, you got to work hard. You got to understand your audience, right? You got you to gotta churn out relatable uh, content that stirs emotion with your listener. In their case, a lot of stuff they do is funny. And that's great. That's an emotion. I'm laughing, right? They do. Uh, they just do a really good job, I think. And I have a couple of my employees who actually listen to them. And so um, it's always top of mind. So when I get in the car, if I happen to be in the car in the morning, which unfortunately I'm not much between like 6 and 10 or whatever time they're on, uh, it's it's going to be, you know, that. And then I'm going to check in with Wheeze. Um, and that's pretty much what I'm doing if I'm listening to FM radio. But again, therein lies the problem is what I just said, if I'm listening to FM radio. It, sometimes I get in the car, actually most times, if I'm being honest with you, I get in the car, and I don't even, it doesn't even occur to me to listen to FM radio. I've got a podcast I'm in the middle of, or I want to hear music or something, and it's just become such a niche thing. Uh, but b- being that it's niche, there are several niches, many niches out there. One of said niches is going to exist within this morning show, uh, Wheeze or WCMF or whatever morning show. It's just a different philosophy for them now. So it's not anymore I'm talking to the masses and I need to have mass appeal. I think at this point for really good morning shows, really good radio, standard terrestrial FM radio shows, it's understanding we are also now a niche. We have a small but dedicated audience. We need to cater to the dedicated audience. Uh, one thing I, when I got out of radio that I was a little bit astonished by was just how many people don't listen, 
right? When you're in it, you're constantly inundated with people that do listen. And so, you know, you're thinking, wow, every, you know, there's more people than anyone thinks listening to this stuff. Then you get out and you start to realize it was a small group of people you were just hearing from over and over and over and not necessarily this mass group of people. So, you know, you've got, we used to say the P1s, P2s, and P3s. P standing for preference. If you've got P1s, that means they are diehard dedicated to your show. They listen to you every single day and they would never miss. Preference 2, P2s, are people who consider you their other show. Meaning there's another show they really like. That's their main show. But when that show's not available for any reason or in a commercial or whatever... They will actually switch to your show, which they also enjoy. And then P3 or preference three is what some is when you are a station that somebody only really comes across once in a while. And it's when they are kind of just scrolling, looking for something. They're lost, right? Their main station isn't giving them what they want. And somehow their backup station isn't giving them what they want. So now they're just scrolling and you hope they land on you. What it used to be philosophically in radio back in the day was that you wanted your P3s, meaning the people who have just stumbled upon you, to stumble upon you while you're doing something relatable. So you were always trying to knock out A-level content, top content. What are the top stories of the day? Let's churn through these top stories with many different legs, meaning uh, discussion topics or areas of discussion within this topic A, so that when somebody does land on us, we're talking about something that they're familiar with and interested in. Right? That was philosophy. That was the that was the philosophy of radio. We target an audience, men between twenty five and fifty four. Right, so we're going to say, what do they like? They like uh, they like uh, football. They like beer. They like women. So what are we going to talk about? That's what we're going to talk about. Well, with football starting show like tomorrow, we're going to talk about the Bills a lot. And our hope is that those P3s come across our station. And hey, we happen to be talking about football. I'm watching the football game tonight. Let me give these guys a chance. And what you do is you hope that by doing that, by welcoming welcoming them in with some relatable content, that you can convert them into P2s. People who will now save you on their presets on the radio. And now they're going to come to you more often because, hey, turns out every time they come to you, you're talking about something that they relate to, right? Beer, sports, and women. (laughs) Then eventually, now that you're their P2, or they're your P2, you hope to convert them to a P1. Now they're a diehard listener. And that's the old radio philosophy. Problem with radio is I'm pretty sure that's still their philosophy. They never grew up and realized, oh, We've got a lot of competition now between Spotify and the Apple podcasts and uh, just podcasts in general and, and music apps in general. Anybody can get in their car anytime right now and hear anything they want. I mean, between YouTube, Spotify, and, and podcast apps, any subject, if I'm in the mood for talk, any subject matter I want to hear talked about, I can find a podcast on. If I'm in the mood for music, I don't have to wait for the station to play my song. It's right there. Radio never made that adjustment. And so what happened is its audience niched down. The P3s pieced out. The P2s pieced out. The P1s are the only ones remaining. And I hope they realize that that's it. That's what they have. And guess what? That's not that bad. That's okay. 
a dedicated audience will spend money with you. The good thing about a dedicated audience is they will do exactly what you ask them to do. If you're going to give them the content they love and provide all this entertainment for them on a daily basis, and then you ask them to buy their windows from ABC Window Company, guess what they're going to do when they need windows? They're going to remember that their friend, you, the guy on the radio, or the girl on the radio, told them to use ABC. So, just a philosophy. That's all. All right, what else did I want to talk about? I'm sorry. Seeing Kimmy was so nice, but it like it stirred up old radio juices in my head. <laughs> oh, man. I had a couple other things I wanted to talk about. A couple of these are fast, just little observations, and then I'll close by talking about Leo's baptism last weekend in Ohio. Um, so a couple little things. First of all, thank you to the uh, group of people that came out to the Big Brothers Big Sisters bartender event at the Daily Refresher on Thursday. This was just a, a guest bartending event for a bunch of board members and some of the staff from uh, the Daily Refresher to get behind the bar and dedicate and donate all tips to uh, charity to Big Brothers Big Sisters. We had a nice little turnout. It wasn't a big turnout, but it was you know it was it was cute. It wasn't nobody, which is nice. It was nice, um, and it's I. Think think also important when we do these things to remember it's really great to get a bunch of people to come out that night you hope you make some money but it's also about just being active just showing that your organization is active and and attracting people to your organization because something really great came from that night that isn't quite as tangible as just straight up donating money and that is that one uh, two of the guest bartenders actually speaking of radio completely just ironic that or just <laughs> just happens that radio will come up again two of our guest bartenders that night were moose and breezy from 98 pxy <clears throat> and um moose <clears throat> who i had actually never met in person this is my first time ever meeting him in person moose approached me before he left that night and told me that he was interested in becoming a big brother. And that's beautiful. And so if something like that comes from that night, that's a successful night. Because let's say now Moose becomes a big brother. And he gets one or two kids now that he's going to mentor for the next 5, 10, 15 years. He will change a life. Absolutely mold a life. And that came from that night of guest bartending. So when you see those gigs and, you know, I show up and I go, well, you know, look, there's people here. It's not like nobody was there. There's a couple dozen people. There were probably 20, 30 people there. But you get a little bummed out. You wish the turnout was bigger. But you know what? It's not about necessarily the turnout. It's about the result. And I think we had a nice little result there. The other funny thing I wanted to tell you that's just a small anecdote from this week is my hairdresser, my barber, left the men's room where I get my hair cut. And, um, it, you know, it's, there's like a, there is some loyalty expected, I think, by barbers. Um, and so I'm like a free agent. And so I got a new, they gave, they put me with a new girl and she's, she was very young and she was fantastic. She did a great haircut. She had a great personality. I enjoyed talking to her, but I could tell that they put me with her cause she's new. She's young and new and she's trying to build a client base. And at the end, you know, they're saying, would you like to see her again? Um, because, again, I'm, I'm, you know, a regular and uh, I like to believe I'm a good tipper. And uh, I think I, – I shouldn't say I think. I have some direct knowledge that there is a bit of a – that there could be a little territorial over which clients belong to which barber, right? 
And um, in this case, uh, I, I actually said no. I actually said I, I wanted to handpick because there's this girl who actually used to be in the seat next to the one that I was in with my old barber who I really got along with. And a lot of times, <clears throat> you know, I'm always there. I'm talking and talking and talking, and my barber's cut my hair. Sometimes the girl next to us would have somebody in her chair who didn't really feel like talking, and she would get involved in our conversation. So <laughs> So I liked her, so I requested her, but now I'm afraid to go back in because what if the girl is pissed at me? Because, again, like I said, I think they're a little territorial. And what if she's like, what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. She was great. I just, you know, I just, I'm looking for, you know, I, I, I just, I've already vibe with the other one, I guess. Okay, last topic, baptism. Last weekend, Went to went to uh, went home to Ohio for Labor Day weekend for Leo to get baptized, and it was just, it was just so cute. Leo, oh my God, you got to look at the pictures. The pictures are um, on Facebook. Uh, I think I put them on Instagram and Twitter too. I'm sorry, X. But just Leo, so cute. I want to thank my mom and my dad, and what a great weekend that was. Leo just shined. We had a, a nice little party in the backyard after the baptism. Some family came over. We got a pizza food truck that came and made, like, on-demand pizzas. And it was just a wonderful weekend. And being home at my home, the home I mostly grew up in from, like, early teen years on. Um, sorry, I'm just going back in my house right now. It's starting to rain out there. Um, it was just a great, it was just, it was all around just perfect. And I just wanted to give my mom and dad a big thank you on the podcast because I know they listen and they deserve it. So, all right, that's it. I appreciate you listening. Go Browns. Go Bills. We'll talk next week.